You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host and a special guest, uh, Matt Minnick, today from Chalk Talk. Matt, what's going on, bro? Just uh, waiting to get that first dub. Yeah, we are all. Zim, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing really good, man. I'm so excited to get Matt Minnick on here. If you guys don't know, X's and O's. He has a great show called Chalk Talk here on the Cincy Jungle uh, podcast. Please, please check that out. If you guys really want to get more in-depth with football, me and Ace try as best as we can. But this guy actually knows a lot of cool, intricate parts of a football team. So... Make sure you check them out too, and I'm really, really excited to have you on here too, Matt. Appreciate yeah, it. Definitely, Thanks, yeah, definitely follow him on Twitter at Mac Minnick. Um, and you also are a former coach as well, right? Me and Zem, we played football before, but you actually coached as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, I coached for uh for about a decade in uh division uh one double a uh school and then division three as well. Right. So uh as Zem alluded to earlier, he does a lot of film breakdown. From this season, I know you haven't gotten all the way into it. What what have you seen from this team? Because obviously week one, this was a team that had us very excited. And then week two happened and we were still excited on offense, at least in some areas outside of the offensive line. But from the defensive perspective, it was a debacle. Just say, like, if you could give your analysis on what you're seeing on film so far. I, I think the linebackers kind of need to get on the same page. I, I feel that they're a little too slow uh, to get into their gaps at times. And then uh, uh, they're also getting, getting beat on the cutback. So there's not always the the right guy there. 
uh, that, you know, that needs to be in the right position for the cutback. You kind of see him catch up with some of that stuff. I know there was a play with Logan Wilson where he hit the hole that he should have, but he didn't hit it quite fast enough. And, and you know, as a, as a result, it ended up being a big play. So guys like, like Wilson, like Akeem Davis Gaither, you know, th- those guys are going to have to catch up to the speed of the game. And especially, I mean, you're coming from, you're coming from Wyoming, you're coming from, from App State, you know, it's not quite, not quite SEC football. So uh, right. those guys are going to have to catch up a little bit with, with things. Um, I think Bynes is, Bynes is good, but he's, there's a reason he's not the guy anywhere. You know, there's a reason right. that, that he was available um, so, you know, hopefully those guys catch up and, and, and Pratt continues to v- develop. But I think that's the big issue on defense is, is with the linebackers. I, I think for the most part, the D-line's holding their own, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, having a having a butt kicker. I, I, I didn't know if I could swear on this program, so that's why. You I, can. I, Go I, ahead. Feel free. Go ahead. We'll drop, yeah, let it drop, like some drop some F-bombs. Drop some shit. Come on. Give it to us. <laughs> You know, getting get Geo back, you know, having a couple of ass kickers like Geo and DJ in the middle would Gio. definitely you know, make a huge impact. But for the most part, the D-line's pretty much doing their job. They're just not really dominating, not really getting off blocks. Which I, I think that's an issue in, in uh, pass and pass rush as well. Is they're getting some penetration. They're pushing those guys back, but then they're not they're not disengaging. They're not, you know, using pass rush moves and getting off and actually getting to the quarterback on that stuff. So... I mean, there's some work that needs to be done defensively. Getting healthy would be a big, uh, definitely a big boost there. Yeah, it's right. funny, it, it's funny you ahead, said man. that because uh, you you mentioned the defensive line not being the, the biggest problem. And a lot of people coming off of that game, the way that we just got ran on, all, a lot of people at least messaged me and said, man, I can't wait till we get Geno back. I can't wait till we get Mike Daniels back. But I thought, like you were saying, like some of the linebacker play was just hesitant. And Carl Lawson um, – alluded to this over the weekend you could speak to this he said there's no way we can get a pass rush if we can't stop the run how do you feel like those two things work hand in hand or, or do you have any insight to what carl's saying i guess in that aspect uh, i mean it, to some extent it's a numbers game you know you got to get pass rush opportunities especially a guy like 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 carl i think he he works better if he's got a little time to to set up uh, the, the movies he wants to to make it the inside hump was a great one for him, but he's got to threaten guys on the outside enough to be able to get there. Um, you know, now unlike a receiver, you know, when you're when you're trying to get open, you're you're really playing your own game with that cornerback. You know, as a as an edge rusher, you're playing your own game with that offensive tackle. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said for that, and then getting him in those situations where you, you know they have to pass, that's um, it, going to be beneficial to uh, to those guys as well. So before the show, we, we kind of were talking, Matt, and you said like Gino is kind of essentially, you didn't use this exact wording, but it, it kind of came off that Gino is kind of the engine to kind of get this defense going. Can you kind of talk to how he will fit in with the Mike Daniels, with the DJ Reader on this defensive line? Yeah, I mean – Look, he's he's the best player on the team when he's healthy. You know, like him and AJ, those are those are the best players on the team. Those are the guys that are Hall of Fame type talents. Um, you know, Gino is an all decade team guy, so he he can have a major impact. He's going to be taking up blocks for one thing. Uh, in pass in the pass rush, he's going to draw more more attention from us inside guys. It's going to open up opportunities for other guys. 
but I, even last year when he didn't get as many uh, pressures, as many sacks as, as we've seen him in past years, he was excellent against the run. I mean, he, he's he's the best run stopper they've gotten early in the year when they were really struggling. It was like, okay, can somebody help Gino out here? Because uh, right. he's trying to do everything by himself. Kind of what I felt like about about DJ <laughs> last week. Uh, DJ Reed was out there by himself. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be huge to have those guys. I think, uh, well, number one, when they when they run the 3-4 stuff, it's really a 5-2. So they need three two, three defensive tackles to run that stuff. And when they have trouble, when they had trouble last year stopping the run, that's what they wanted to be in. So if you think about it that way, if, if Mike Daniels is out and if Geno's out, like that, that room is getting pretty thin, pretty fast, you know, and, right. and all of a sudden you're throwing guys like Bledsoe in there that maybe yeah. aren't ready to go yet. You know, right. uh, like guys you want to be given nearly as many reps to. Um, so it, it hasn't, doesn't seem like it really shied them away from, from running that look, but you know, you're definitely, you're taking the, the talent off at that. And I also think that Diva line is the most important position to have depth at. So like, there's the old thing and, and you hear, you know, kind of old school football coaches like me talk about running the ball and like, you know, two, you know, two yard gains, three yard gains in the first half, you know, those are five, yard, five, six yard gains in the second half because you can wear down your opponent doing that. And that absolutely works. But what makes that not work is when instead of having four good defensive linemen, you have eight, you know, and, and you look at like, like our, the opponent this week, really? the Eagles. Really? You know? I was just about to say, that's what they do. We talk about that all the time. I always talk to, to Ace about when Philly went on their Super Bowl run, they did it through the, this rotation that is like I hadn't seen in a while where they're just throwing billions of guys at you. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, the Bengals have been, uh, you know, They've talked quite a bit about wanting to get Geo off the field, make sure they have him fresh and have him available in those key situations. I mean, that, that's what this is about. But you got to be able to have enough talent to be able to do that, um, you know, and, and be healthy enough to be, able, to be able to do that. I think that was a big part of why they spent so much money on Reader because you've got right. Reader. And it's kind of one of those situations where, you're, hey, in key situations, we're going to have both in the field, maybe not in key pass situations necessarily, but in key situations, we're going to have, we're going to have both in the field, but we're always going to have one of them, one of them on the field, you know? So then you always have that right. one really strong presence in the middle. I think the loss of Josh Tupau is probably the biggest loss of this year above Trey, uh, Trey Wayne's I, I, before, like when everybody, when we had to go get Mike Daniels, I think we did a show on here one time too. And I kept on saying, bro, they got to get another three tech. They got to get like, and, I don't think people were like really hearing me, but it's just like, man, they, they will wear out really, really quick. And you're a hundred percent right. Like you got to have some beefy boys up front to stand it. Like this is a long season. So, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, I love like said, though. It's three defensive tackles when you're playing in the three, four defense and, and the three, four defensive, like that personnel group was their second most common last year. They ran about a quarter of the time uh, behind only nickel. Uh, which was over 50% of the time they, they were in nickel. So, I mean, if you think about it that way, Josh Tupo was was a starter last year. You know, like there were three starting defensive tackles. You know, it's just, you know, it's like you're starting fourth receiver or, or your second tight end. You know, like it's a, it's a guy that's not necessarily seen on the depth chart as, as a starter, but he is getting a lot of reps, you know, when you're when you're doing different personnel groups on defense. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Douglas H in the chat uh, for the donation. The, 
everyone has kind of talked about you kind of being great at breaking down the offense. So we kind of talked about the defensive line and the linebackers. Uh, walk us through essentially your thoughts on this offense, whether it's Burrow, whether it's the offensive line, run game, or, or what so have you. Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, like Burrow's doing some really good stuff, but I feel like he's not pushing the ball downfield enough. And I actually, uh, Jake Liskow from uh, uh, Locked On Bengals, he and I did a live thing last night on, on YouTube, and, and it's still up on Orange and Black Insider if anybody wants to check it out. But we, we looked at some of the pass plays from last Thursday night. Um, and, you know, the, the theme seemed to be that there were opportunities where, not that he should have been going for the, the long ball, but instead of throwing the, the shorter route, he should have been hitting some of those intermediate routes. And, and he wasn't doing it. And, you know, part of that's going to be time. Like, even with the deep balls, he's getting them off. Uh, he knows he doesn't have a lot, a lot of time because of, of the protection. So, you know, that, that's a bit of a concern. Is like, can we, can we stop with the five-yard gains? Can we get the eight-yard gains? Um, that's definitely something to look at. But then also the deep balls. Um, so his touchdown pass to C.J. Uzama, that was a 23-yard touchdown. Longest pass play of his career right now. That is the only pass over 20 yards that the Bengals have completed all year. They've got 12 attempts uh, over tw over uh, 20 yards. That is the first one that they've completed. And that was a great ball. It was a great play design, too. Um but, I mean, they've, they've got to figure something else out with that. I think a lot of that is coming down to Burrow not really being on the same page with some of these guys yet. Um, I don't have the, the exact number, but I think we, we can all kind of tell casually that a lot of these shots they're taking are rightfully to A.J. Green. And it seems like the ball is not always where A.J. thinks it's going to be. So A.J. had the hammy. He missed some time in camp. Uh, you know, we saw John Ross got targeted twice, no catches on Thursday night. He missed some time in camp. Uh, and the guys that really seem to be on the same page with Burrow right now are the tight ends. Uh, they're, they're, it's Mike Thomas and it's Tyler Boyd. And those are guys that they got a lot of reps with Joe Burrow uh, and, and we're making, you know, we're getting talked about during camp. So uh, I just, I wonder if he's, he and AJ just aren't quite on the same page with each other yet. And, you know, once that can come, like they're going to have a much better opportunity at that. That's the, I, I did locked on the other day and I had a, I had an interesting um, message that I, I got through AJ, I guess. And, it, and he just attributed it all the timing because I, I just wanted to ask him about like no separation, you know, like a lot of fans like myself, were a little bit like, oh, man, I, I told Aces, I said, man, I don't remember a game where AJ was blanketed that crazy like that. And so but he he attributed it to all just just straight up timing. I have a two part question. My first part is this. Do you think what you were just saying about him missing on some of the intermediate stuff where I'm talking about Joe Burrow? Do you think that's just coaching telling him, hey, like it's just your second game? Work it in because Zach Taylor had an interesting comment today. They said, Hey, well, he's not hitting on the long passes or something like that. He said, I don't care about that. I just want points. So you think that's part of coaching? Like they're just telling them, Hey, look, like don't don't look downfield too often. Just take what the defense gives you. And then the second part of this question is this: somebody is saying this, and I've heard this eight times this week. Auden Tate, right? Converting to tight end. My I have strong thoughts on this. Auden Tate to do this this late into a season. No OTAs, no training, nothing like that. Like, this is the national 
football league where you have to have a weight. It's it's just like <laughs> boxing. You have a weight class. There's so many different factors. If I get one more person telling me Otta Tate should go to tight end in the middle of the season, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. But that was my two-part. He question. needs to gain about 40 pounds for that to happen <laughs> during the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, people saw Waller the other night. And they're like, oh, there's Auden Tate right there. Auden Tate's Waller. Yeah, well, I mean, Waller's, Waller's in the 250s, isn't he? Like, Waller yeah, isn't small. He's a big man. A I think Ingram guy. might be a closer size comparison. Uh, but, yeah, look. The the Tate thing here, here's the thing about Tate, like, what's the point of moving him to tight end? Right. Because if you if you want him to get into a three point stance and block and, and that type of stuff, you're you're better off with with Stephen Carter, right? You're better off with with Sample with Stephen Carter with, with some of these other guys. And if you want him for a matchup as a guy you can move around, you're not going to get anything different from calling him a tight end because like, look, like these NFL coaches aren't stupid. Like you can look at, you can look at a depth chart and say, Oh, this guy's a tight end. And, and that's what your personnel is. But uh, actually, you know what? Perfect example. The, uh, the touchdown to Uzama on, on Thursday night, they were in 13 personnel. All right. So they had three tight ends, one running back and Tyler Boyd was the only receiver on the field. All right. The Browns had only four defensive backs. They weren't in nickel, all right? They were in a 4-3 in a defense because with that look on first down, you're expecting it to be a run to Joe Mixon. So they're, so they're you know, bouncing it out that way. If you put Auden Tate in in place of, of C.J. Uzama, let's say, in that look, maybe it's nickel. You know, and then all of a sudden you're not getting the same matchup you want. Uh, unfortunately, Drew Sample wasn't exactly running away from the linebacker that matched up with him. But it, I mean, if it, now you're taking that guy and you're and you're putting a better athlete there. Um, Tate can get mismatches on his own by being huge. So so that's cool. I mean, but personally, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather split out Tate and let him do the jump balls with with Denzel Ward. You know. Um, and by the way, that, that's the thing I'll say about about blank about. Uh, uh, Green being blanketed. Denzel Ward is really good. Yes, and very. The good. thing about Denzel Ward is he's short, so you know you, you hit him with traditional AJ passes. You throw the ball up and you let AJ AJ pull it down. And again, they, you know he and Burrow just weren't really in sync to be able to uh, to do things like that uh, in that game. But yeah, Denzel's Denzel's really good. What was it? What was the first part of your question? I, I covered the Tate stuff. <laughs> the first long question. Was- Oh, you think that because uh, I really wanted to address that. Somebody asked that in the in the, or said something in the chat, so I want to make sure I'm not ignoring the people in the chat. Thank you guys for joining us this evening. Matt Minnick on here uh, talking with us. He has a show, Chalk Talk, so make sure you check him out um, on Cincy Jungle. But uh, the first part was uh, in correspondence with you talking about Joe Burrow throwing the short passes. Mm-hmm. You think that's a coaching thing where they're just telling them, hey, just take what's in front of you, or is that just Joe Burrow being a little reluctant? I, I think it's probably to some extent coaching, and I think it's a progression. You know, I, I think right now they're worried about the protection, and they want him to see things and be able to get the ball off quickly. Uh, and he's just going to have to grow to the point where he understands when he has time and when he doesn't, and can get rid of the ball. Uh, but but that's a tough proposition because you know it doesn't always come down to if they're sending a blitz or not. We saw on the first drive 
Uh, they had third and five down by the goal line on a four-man pressure, and you know, literally, he had three guys on top of him before he could he could get into his progression at all. So, uh, I, I I think it's it's going to be him growing a little bit, but I, I think it is somewhat somewhat coaching that right now they want him to have success, even if it's not big play success. You know, just to be able to get the completions, you know, get confident, and then kind of take the next step as uh, as the season progresses. Now, well, one, here's one thing I'll say about Tate. Like, I just don't get to calling them a tight end. I have no problem with playing him. And if you want to say that because, you know, Sample did some nice things in that game, he does not look fast. And when he got the ball in his hands, he wasn't running away from guys. Um, so, I, I, like, you may have lost that dynamic at the tight end position with Uzama going out. So if you want to say, hey, let's play more 10 personnel and Auden Tate's going to be in kind of a like an H-back type of alignment sometimes so he can block, I'm cool with that. I, I just like calling him a tight end, it doesn't do anything right. for me because it's not going to change their personnel and, and you're not going to put him in a three-point stance at, at uh, right, right. Okay. Okay. So, so in a way the i forgot the guy that said that in a way you could there is a scenario you could get what you want i wouldn't mind them using them like kind of how they i mean but they were using eifert like like a wide receiver like last year so pretty much yeah yeah same i mean thing. <laughs> i mean honestly I mean, it, it, it was a tight lined up like a wide wide receiver all year he's so. he's not he's not as big but if you watch stanley morgan in college like Stanley Morgan kind of plays like a big slot. He he catches a lot of passes that are similar to some of the things that Eifert was doing in the offense. So, you know, like if if you're replacing some of his role with a guy who's not actually a tight end, I'm cool with that. It's just like the move to tight end doesn't really make sense because you're not really going to do it, I don't think. Right. Agree, agree. So elephant in the room has been the offensive line. I've seen you have some takes on the offensive line. Uh, mainly, I think Billy Price and some other guys. It was announced today that Fred Johnson, after you know not a great performance on Thursday, is going to start again. What are your thoughts on this offensive line from what you've seen in terms of Jonah Williams? You know the right guard position, Zayri Sulfilo being out. Uh, now they got Fred Johnson in there, Bobby Hart obviously, uh, and some of these other guys. What are your thoughts on that offensive line? Um, so in the first game, I thought the left side of the line was pretty good. I thought Trey underachieved for what we, we all know Trey can do, but I thought Michael Jordan was good. And I thought Jonah Williams wasn't perfect, but he looked like a guy that you, you drafted in the first half of the first round. Um, the right side of the, of the line was definitely a problem in that first game. Uh, and, and I, I think I think Xavier Xavier Suofilo actually graded out pretty well, but I didn't think he played great. I was a, I was a fan of the of the signing. I I thought that he made sense like schematically for them. Right. Um, I didn't think he played pretty very well. And I've had a lot of people tell me that Billy Price looked good when he went in. Billy Price did not look good. Um, <laughs> and I, I think right guard's a good position for him. I think it's his best position. He played well against the Dolphins last year when right. he started a right guard. But he, he didn't look good. Um, Did he look better than Fred Johnson, though? Did he look better than Fred Johnson this game, or is it just like, um, I like I don't know. It was kind of, it was kind of different. I felt like I felt like Price is getting beat with speed off the ball. I felt like they were getting by gotcha. him. Right. Whereas Fred's problem is his anchor. Gotcha. Now he's a big guy, and big guys have trouble bending their knees. <laughs> you know, can't right. get low on things. 
so that was a big issue with Fred. And he's got enough bulk, like he could collect himself. Um, he's right. strong enough for that. But I think he's got to get better at, at sinking his hips right away and taking that initial blow and not getting pushed in, into the backfield. He had two really bad plays. This is the worst thing about Fred Johnson is he had two really bad plays in the first drive, and um, uh, and Aikman caught both. Of, was it Aikman or whoever whoever did the game? Like picked up on both of them. Right. Uh, so his his name was out there. Um, <laughs> and are you talking about the play? Are you talking about the play where he had a problem with the stunts? Like yeah, where he well, had a, like, and then it, it's like him and Bobby Hart are like it's like almost like a communication thing. So the, yeah, like yeah. The, the one that I kept on showing everybody is this one. Everybody's like, Bobby Hart lets him go through free. But it's a communication thing where they're both screwing up and it's a stunt coming in. It's just like they had – it almost looked like they had never done it before, like together. Yeah. Like the one that really got him was the strip sack. Uh, they, they put Miles Garrett inside and he was lined up in the B gap. Right. And that was the man, the man's side. Uh, it was actually a – it might, it might have been a, like a key blitz. They, they might have just blitzed because Geo stayed in, but um, but they ran it. They ran a twist. That guy showed hard in the a gap, and Fred bit like a bastard, you know. And right. and, and, and I get it. Like you're like, holy shit, I'm lined up in front of Miles Garrett. Uh, right. you know, like I get why. He, but he, that, that's what happened. He jumped it, and then he was way out of position when Garrett came back to the B gap. His he wasn't looking for anything twisted at that point. He was just right. selling out, diving at his hip, trying to save you know, Burrow's life on it. And then Gustin or some Porter Gustin or whatever. I don't even know who that guy. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. that, 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 man, we made him look like an all pro though. Bro, <laughs> he had the biggest hits on Burrow on, on, uh, on, on, on Sunday. That was, that was the biggest hits or Thursday. Yeah. But I mean, so, so it kind of yeah. sounds like, it sounds like Matt, that you can see why Fred Johnson would be in. Don't make me put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, you can see why Jim Turner would put Fred Johnson in because there's potential there if he's able to work on his technique in terms of getting lower that we could see some better play from Fred Johnson versus a Billy Price who may just be out of his league when it comes to athleticism. And that's nothing against Billy Price. It's just, you know, some guys are more athletic than others. Is that true? I, yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and the other thing is Billy Price, you know, they've been trying to bring in uh, – They've been trying to teach UDFAs to snap. Like his, Billy Price's days might be numbered. Yeah, he's probably not getting a second contract. No, um, definitely not. They, they need a backup center though. So like people are always like, oh, cut, cut Billy Price. No, because he's the backup center, and right. he's, he's going to be the backup <laughs> center if he's nothing else. Right. Um, a, so a yeah, yeah. Very the other thing about Fred is, that. you know, a week ago, people were were saying, well. Bench Bobby Hart, Fred Johnson. You know, like that's the that's the guy. But, but but when he worked better at right tackle, and I think that's what people thought, not at him at right guard, though. Um, I mean, he, you know, he has this starting experience at left tackle, so he's got a little bit of experience there. He's got the length, which is which is good uh, at the tackle spot. And you're not necessarily. I mean, you can still get the bull rushes, you know, those those hard, hard power moves. Um, but you get a lot of those at guard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it. It does to some extent show you, like, all right, this is why we said he's not ready. Uh, but now he's going to get some time. And, the, you know, it looks like he's going to start again next week. Hopefully he gets better. And maybe he's a long-term answer. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. in the, so that, like I said, that first game, the right side was bad. The second game, the middle was bad. 
uh, Michael Jordan's my dude, and and I like I, I thought he was going to really develop into something. I was optimistic after the first uh, game. Bad night, you know. And and Michael Jordan and Trey Hopkins missed a lot of blocks too. They didn't get called out on national television like Fred Johnson, but believe me, uh, they they had some big problems that night. Uh, Bobby Hart, right? Give it to him. Like for Bobby Hart, he was okay. And, and for Bobby Hart going against that <laughs> defensive line, this is all I'll say. So if Bobby Hart, if you get that effort out of Bobby Hart every night, you know, if he if he plays like that, that's not the reason you're losing football games. Like you can win with that if you're if you're hitting on other cylinders, if you're doing well in other areas. Um, that that was peak Bobby Hart. It's almost like you said, like especially when you talk an offensive line. If we don't hear your name, I'm assuming that you had a good game. And like you said, that's the first time. I love the fact that you brought that up too. That Troy Eggman pointed out Fred Johnson on national media because, as we know. Bobby Hart could go eight games this season. Like, think about think about uh, Bullock last week, right? They wanted to run Bullock out of town. Bullock has a perfect game, right? Yeah. We're not we're not on Bullock anymore, right? Nobody's <laughs> even mentioned him. Bullock, Bullock's cool now, right? But let him miss a field goal next week. Like he's out of. That's what I think has happened to so many players in in Bengals past. And I'm like, y'all gotta really like pay attention to the guys like Matt that actually like look at the film and are able to convey these type of things to you because you can't just say Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart every week and just assume that Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart is the worst right tackle in America. We know he's not the level that we want, right, as a Bengals fan. But y'all got to pay attention. So I thought that was awesome that you pointed that out. Um, I thought that is really funny, though, that Jim Turner, remember he wanted to put Cordy Glenn at left guard last year. And that's the first time, I guess, in my mind, because you talk about, like, the height and these these guys that get low and they bend and they got tremendous bend when you're talking about inside these big polar bears, like, working from the inside. Like, how do you feel about, like, these bigger guys like a Fred Johnson even working at right guard? Like, it, are other teams doing, are doing that, like, traditional tackle-sized players playing at guard? I mean, you've got to have versatility. Um so I, I think there's most guys play a little bit of everything, you know. If you if if you're not the guy, Fred Johnson was playing guard for the Steelers on their practice squad before right. the Bengals swiped him up last year. Um, and you know they've they've said that, and, and one of the indicators of it, and why we thought that Fred Johnson might get the start over Billy Price is because when there was an injury to uh, Suofilo in camp, Fred Johnson was getting those reps. Um, so we've seen that with uh, Hakeem Adeniju, they drafted as well, that he was getting reps at garden practice uh, also. So, uh, like I said, tall guys have trouble bending their knees sometimes. So there, I guess there's a mechanical advantage to it. Uh, you know, Fred definitely just needs to get, get better at that. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think there's any real reason not to do it. Um, I think like a Jonah, I think you do want a little bit of more bulk and, and Jonah kind of bulked up, but you know, so more so than not wanting the height, I just want to make sure that, that, that somebody can kind of, you know, stand in there and take the hit a little bit. So you've been a big uh, Hakeem Adenji guy. Uh, just talk to me about like what you see from him. Is there a possibility that he will see the field this season or is he more so like 
maybe a developmental kind of project guy? I think he's probably a developmental guy, you know, and, and I kind of look at, I look at Fred Johnson and, and I think that, you know, identity is maybe that type of guy that maybe we'll see him later in the year. Hopefully we don't have to, uh, you know, I, I think he could probably, uh, you know, minus the surgery, but he could use an off season like Jonah Williams had, and, you know, recreating his body a little bit. He also had some problems with anchor in college, uh, but he moves really well. Like, you know, not maybe not quite like Jonah, but like that, you know, that's, that's what you love about a guy like Jonah at tackle is how well he moves and how, how we can adjust to, to the speed rushers. Um, so definitely saw some good things with that uh, from him in college. Then that, and then in the run game too, like coming around, pulling around. Uh, so he, he does some good, good things in that area with his feet. And also he, he's, I forget the source on this, but he's, he's supposed to be like one of the smartest dudes that anybody met in the draft process. Like he's, he's supposed to be like a really highly intelligent guy. And they seem to really value intelligence and guys that can, can move up front. So for me throughout the draft process, I was like, well, this, this guy should be a Bengal. If they can, if they can get him late, he makes a lot of sense with the, with the things that they're trying to do. Uh, it, but I mean, like to, to really answer your question, it's tough without a preseason because I can tell you what he did against Oklahoma, but we haven't, seen him against NFL competition, even NFL, you know, third string competition. Right. So it's uh it's a big risk. He played one one play Thursday night. Uh he was the tight end on the power play that they ran on first and goal. He did not get to his down block on time because the guy kind of stunted and that's the penetration that made Mixon bounce and he lost like four yard four or five yards oh, in that play. Man. That was actually he had one play and it was a bad play. And then I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying right. to shut him down. No, but reason. you're calling it how it is because yeah. we all saw that play that and good. we, yeah. we were looking at mixing like, how did you bounce that out? And it's great yeah. that you're here to be, bring that up because everyone was pretty much putting that on mixing, but it's, it's funny that it may have been a dingy's fault on that one. Yeah. So it was, it was a power play. And uh, so identity was blocking down. The other blocks look pretty good, but identity didn't quite get there. So his guy got penetration and that caused a problem for Michael Jordan, who's pulling around and is supposed to block that linebacker that showed in the hole. Gotcha. If, if if Jordan leads up that hole, you know, 99% chance makes him follows him, and there's a very good chance he's using the end zone on it. I, yeah. looked at that, I looked at that play like so many different times, though, and it just looks like he could kind of get on Michael Jordan's uh, his left hook because Michael Jordan's going up right. I'm trying to replay it, but I kept on looking at that play over and over, like because they even showed a replay. I'm like, why didn't Mixon? Then it looked like Mixon could cut up and just go left, and then he and he and he tries to go around, and then yeah. like you're saying, the penetration is coming. So then he even backs up even further. But had he just hit and like went up left, like to like that. I mean, it was kind of a wide power play in the first place because they had guys in the A gaps and B gaps. So that's why that's why they didn't run a sneak. I, I was. Like everybody else, I was sneak. yelling at my TV, like just run a quarterback sneak. But right. I get why they didn't, uh, because of what, what that defense was. Uh, so it was kind of a wide play, kind of had like a C, pat, a C gap type of path on it. But like, like, like that's the, that's the problem. You got guys like Mixon, you know, and and Burrow's Burrow's pick in the first week was the same sort of situation. Like when you have guys like that, like those those guys want to win, like and they want to be right. the guy and. Right when they don't have the opportunities, they're going to try and make opportunities for themselves. And sometimes you get a hit on it. And sometimes, sometimes you're just not. 
but you know that's why you need to put more talent around guys like that. Right. Right. Let for me, sure. Um. I. I. I uh, go ahead, Ace. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was I like just. I know that we're we're getting pretty close to um this Philly matchup, so I, I kind of wanted to shift it there a little bit. We were talking a little bit earlier. Uh, Fletcher Cox is possibly that he's going to be out. Um, you know, it's pretty much a game time decision as of now. Did not practice. Uh, several other guys didn't practice. Jalen Rager was the big news that really came out. Uh, first round pick for them is expected to be out, I think, six to eight weeks. So he's not going to be in this game. What are some of the keys? And I, I'm not saying that you watch Philly that much, but what are some of the keys that the Bengals can use to bounce back in a game that may be somewhat of a must win for this coaching staff and this Burrow era to keep the fans engaged? Must win for both teams. Yeah. yeah facts. And that's a big concern because, look, it, it all goes back to Belichick, right? Like the, the the famed we're on to Cincinnati game. Right. We got to – they need to make a statement right now that they are not a good right team. You know, it's it, this is not the team you want to play the next week when you need to get your shit together. Right. Um, so, they, they, I mean, they, they really need to come out, come out firing all cylinders there. Um, look, the, Wentz, uh, he looks a little off. He's yeah, thrown four picks this year. Cop, one of them's a good defense that he he didn't see the guy coming from the backside. It's actually somewhat similar to, to Jackson's pick, where Baker never saw him coming. Um, one was a one was a tip ball, and then two were thrown to the field, and it was like a like a deep comeback or something. And the and the corner bit on it, and he's kind of hung it up there for way too long. Uh, I don't know. He's kind of he's kind of in his own world a little bit. Like he's he's doing some some weird things, uh, you know, for a guy that I think most people would have put in the top 10 type of conversation. He didn't look like that guy right now. So the Bengals really need to take advantage of that stuff. Like defensively, I think they're going to be fighting all year. I don't think this is going to be a, the defense we want it to be. Right. So look, if you're doing that and you're going to give up some plays and you're going to give up some points, you need to create some opportunities for, for your offense uh, as well. And especially you got a guy like Burrow, like let's get Burrow the ball. Let's get him, let, let, you know, hey, we screwed that up in the red zone because we've been screwing up a lot in the red zone. The red zone, you know, percentage is not very good. Create another opportunity in the red zone with a turnover. Um, that's how Washington got him. You know, they kept, they kept giving Washington short fields in the second half, and, uh, and Washington came back on them. So get some turnovers. Uh, give Burrow some time. They got to complete a couple of deep balls. Like, they got to push the field and throw some deep balls. Burrow in his press conference today said that that was that was an important thing for him. That was a, that was a, a focus for him. He was actually a little bit oddly forthright about that. Like when he was asked about it, he, he dodged it, like to not get involved in the game plan. But he's like, nope, I got to hit, I got to hit those deep balls. Right. So, you know, make some big plays on offense, make some big big plays on defense. I guess that maybe a little oversimplified, but I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm almost I'm, not not to cut you out, Zim. I just wanted to say I'm I'm almost wondering if it's because the Philly fans have been calling for it. I'm almost wondering if it's like a a thing where Carson Wentz, where he's looking over his shoulder at Jalen Hurts, because there's been a lot of Philly fans. Believe it or not, it's kind of crazy because obviously they just won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, there's the Nick Foles thing, and now there's Jalen Hurts. I'm wondering if he's possibly like looking over his shoulder now at Jalen Hurts, wondering if that's a possible kind of factor in that area with Philly. I think that may be something that he's looking at, but go ahead, Zim. I just want to say, I'm so glad we didn't drive Jalen Hurts. 
<laughs> like that's what, hey hey Matt, what are you drinking over there? Is that orange pop? Uh yeah, it's uh that's orange crush. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Hey look, twins. Brand. Hey, this guy fucking knows something, people. You see that? You can't be a bangle if you're not bleeding orange with pop. Where's your pop at, Ace? I had some. If you saw me earlier, I actually had some orange pop in this cup. What the? <laughs> hey, this hey, was not planned. That's some sympathetical <laughs> stuff right there, people. Um, do you have anything like any keys to victory beyond that? I mean, you pretty much broke it down super simple. I don't really think there's much to the game other than the things that I think we've always we've been looking at all year. Like you, you touched on some of those things. Like I would say, Joe Burrow going just to the the intermediate, like exploring like ten yards, twelve yards, like those passes. Those are the ones that I want him to hit. I want him to be able to not be rushed with his throws, but I don't know if that's possible because this is arguably probably the second best defensive uh, line that we'll see all year next to the Steelers. Arguably, like you could bring those one or two or whatever. Those are the yeah. two best defensive lines that we'll probably see all year. So a lot of people that are saying like, this is a dub, this is a dub because the Eagles are on two. There's a lot of things that don't line up really well for us for this game and combined with the fact that they're hungry. So do you have any other key uh, keys to victory? I think that you uh, want to say and then ace, you can close us out and tell us what your keys to victories are. I mean, yeah, the, the Bengals O line versus their D line is a huge matchup, you know, and, and if they can get some wins on that and, and manage to get out and complete some deep balls, I mean, that's going to be huge. Um, I, I think it, it kind of interacts. So number one, they're, they're having trouble with deep balls because the timing's not great because they're trying to get the ball out fast, but they're also getting, they're getting sacked. And then when you get sacked, now you're behind and it was, and so now you're in a plus yard situation, you know, more than 10 yards to go. And they're not, they're not getting, uh, they're not, since they're not able to throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field, they're having trouble converting the situation. So they've got to stay out of those 10 plus yardage situations, you know, whether it be from penalties, uh, which, you know, knock on wood, it hasn't really been holding. That hasn't really been an issue this year. It's been, you know, more like false starts and stuff. And not just the O-line, CJ, uh, John Ross committed um, false starts. They got to stay out of those situations with the sacks and the penalties that get them in the plus yardage. Uh, and, and they've really got to uh, shore up their, their red zone offense. You know, you, you look at that, uh, look, you get, you got to score touchdowns when you get when you get into the red zone. And you're not going to win a lot of games when when you're not. So that needs to be an automatic. They need to stop kicking field goals from within the 20 yard line, uh, and, and you know figure those things out and connect on a few of those things. But the goal line the goal line opportunities are kind of show you the same thing as the 10 plus. Once the, when they get behind, when they they screw up the power play, when uh, they don't capitalize, when Boyd drops the ball or or they get sacked at like. Things happen, and once they get behind the eight ball, they just they don't have the ability to to make up for those things. So they need to, the big plays aren't just about hey, let's throw a fifty yard bomb to to Ross and score a touchdown. It's hey, let's complete more 20, 30 yard passes. So when we're in second and seventeen, we we uh, we're third and seventeen even like we know we have the ability to convert that in in, in one play and, and make up for some of those mistakes because they're going to make mistakes because the the old line is what it is and Joe Burrow's a rookie and sometimes get a hold on to it too long and he's probably going to try and scramble and run back thirty yards and and we're all going to call him an idiot for that um and but that's that's going to be what it's going to be so they, they've got to learn to overcome those situations. 
No, I think Matt made some great points. Uh, first of all, shout out to my nephew, Aaron Carr. Appreciate that donation. I think what you said is true. We've got to start hitting, uh, like you said, those deeper passes. I really wanted to see that against Cleveland. That somewhat made me perturbed last weekend, or not last weekend, but last Thursday when they decided to bench out on tape because there was ever a game to go five wide. It was last week against Cleveland. Like That's been their Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. They're really decimated at that position. And I felt like you should have really gone at them five wide all game. I mean, it was their Achilles heel. This is another situation with Philly where it may be the same thing. You know, I've, I've heard them talking about uh, them and the loss of Malcolm Jenkins. Huge for them last year. Yeah. They don't have him now. He went back to New Orleans. They've really struggled at that safety position. And like you said, that's where the Bengals need to hit them is over the top. They also have Darius Slay, good corner. One thing I didn't like about the game plan last week is you got all of these corners out for Cleveland, and you choose to target the best, one of the best corners in the league. Yeah. Like, you don't go away from it. If it was me, I'm going at anyone except Denzel Ward because all of these other guys, like Weary Williams is out. Those are the guys that you need to target, the guy that came up from special teams for them. The Bengals need to do that this week. We also have to capitalize on the wide receiver position not being as strong. With them having a Jalen Rager out, they need to blanket Zach Ertz and Deshaun Jackson. Those are the guys that you have to key in on. The other mm -hmm. thing is you can't let the running back go crazy like you did last week. I mean, Miles Sanders is a very capable running back. You don't want to let that get away from you this game. Obviously, they saw the Browns game like everyone else did. They're going to try to run the ball. Uh, the offensive line against the defensive line, That's we already know, Matt. Like you said, the game is one in the trenches. I mean, you can't have you know Armani Bledsoe in there against Elaine Johnson or any of those guys, Jason Peters. We've got to win there. We've got to get some kind of pressure on, on Carson Wentz and, and do what we can to try to get to him. Um, and that's, to me, the keys of the game. Carson Wentz, he's already had probably the worst two-game stretch of any quarterback in the NFL. We have to get on that, and if, like what Matt is saying, we're not going to be the best defense, this has to be a defense that can get turnovers and get the ball back into Joe Burrow's hands and, like he said, convert in the red zone. That's all I've got, Sam. What you got? I I, I can't follow up neither <laughs> one of you guys. Right? I, I mean <laughs> – Yes, you can. I, just just let number nine do his thing, bro. Like, I'm I'm at the point, like, I, there's so many small things I think I could just kind of go through the whole game and just say, like, hey, look, we need to do this. And, and I just it just turns into a bunch of cliches, like, keep number nine upright, give him time, get a pass rush going, and make sure that, you know, like, yeah, like, early on in the game, like, I think it's very, very important to make Carson Wentz feel like, He's been filling. If you give him confidence early, he's going to show you that he is a top 10 quarterback. Right. And, and to me, that, that might be everything. Like, establish a lead early, and I think a lot of the pressure is going to be off of, like, you know, like that Chargers game, I think they took their foot off the pedal a little bit in, in, some, in some of those spots when if you saw, like, last week they were playing from pure desperation, so you saw five of five on fourth down, so – if they can get themselves in a it, like how they they controlled the Chargers game and they just gave them enough room just to come back take the lead right at the end and they almost came back and won but if they can get themselves in a position where they have a seven ten point lead something like that I think a lot of things that we're calling from from a pass rush standpoint on defense is going to happen Mixon then can now get put in situations where uh, the pass game is just an extension of the run game where you see little short passes like early on first down. 
that's been my thing. Like after the first game, throwing on first down is so big, but he's got to hit. That's why I'm so focused. Like I'm so glad that Matt said the intermediate game because sometimes it's so like, especially when you go play Philly on first down, if they're just handing off the mix and they got eight, nine in the box with this line, it's just not set up for success yet. So for me, I would like to throw early on first down like all year so that you're putting yourself in these like kind of like where you're keeping the, get, the defense guessing on second down. So then you got these really short third downs. I think that's really, really important for Joe Burrow like year one just all year, especially with a defensive line like this. So th- there's so many small things that I, I just I look at. But take it like you said, too, you hit it on it. Just take advantage of like. The guys that just are not the guys, like go go after those guys, make and make your strong points very very strong. Like throughout, don't I, I know the first couple of drives are going to be like you know um, scripted or whatever, but like take the matchups. Let Joe just go and look and see what matchups do you like pre snap and attack those all game. If somebody's weak, hit them all game. Like do do that and and let your players play. Don't overthink this crap. Like, I think a lot of these weeks, especially week one, they just overthought. Like, I went back and looked at that game the other day. Like, they just overthought, like, a lot of – when they had the lead, there were some times where they could have really – it was Joe Burrow's first game, so I'm going to give them the pass on that. But now that you just saw him throw 61 times, like, they get a lead, don't play hesitant. Keep your foot on the gas and keep it the same – keep that same energy. That's that's Keep that same energy. That's all I want to say. Keep the same. Oh, facts, facts. Um, so, Matt, we want to thank you for joining us. This is Matt Minnick. Uh, he has his own show, Chalk Talk. He also breaks down film, like he said, on the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. So be sure to follow him there and get some great stuff. I also put a link uh, to his video that he did with Jake. I was actually tuning into that myself, uh, where you're getting, you know, the best film breakers in the jungle, breaking this stuff down, play for play. He also understands the game on a totally different level. So if you're an average football fan and you want to know the actual insight, Matt is the guy to listen to for sure. You can also find him on Twitter at Matt Minnick, and that's M A T. T-M-I-N-I-C-H. So be sure to follow him there for the audio uh, listeners. And Matt, we appreciate you having your time here with us, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Who day? Who day? Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze, And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.